In this month's episode of Table Tennis Talk, we go into tournament overload with the China Open and Japan Open. Joey explains how the world ranking system works, and I find out that looping VR ping pong balls is harder than it looks. So welcome everyone to the third episode of Table Tennis Talk. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Lewis, and here I have with me Joey Cochran. Yeah, hello everybody. So Joey, uh, it's been about a month uh, since our last podcast episode. Uh, how'd your month go? It's been a pretty pretty busy month, actually. We've um, I've been teaching a lot of ping pong. I've been playing tournaments. Uh, I got a lot of new students. For some reason. This year has just been really popular with ping pong. I get calls or emails almost every week from from new people that want to take lessons. I teach a lot of ping pong at home and wow. at the club here in, in Utah. And almost every week, it's I get a new student, and I've gotten some uh, professional athletes and from other sports. I actually teach a lot of professional athletes, and um, which is kind of fun, so... Um, been doing a lot of teaching, played in a few tournaments. Which ones? So I played in one tournament up in Salt Lake. It was just a regional tournament. Um, I played a lot of the guys that live in Utah. I don't know if we had anyone out of state come in, but it was still pretty tough. I mean, there's some decent players who live in the state. Um, cool. And I ended up winning it pretty easily, but it was, yeah, it was fun. It was a good one. The Salt Lake Open, right? Yeah, just Salt Lake Open. Okay. There's a guy cool. who actually, he runs tournaments all around the country. I think huh. he's in grad school, um, but he <laughs> he just does it as kind of a side income. He goes a, around yeah. to different clubs and wow. runs the tournaments. And Oh, so he did this one? He did this one, yeah. Oh, in Salt cool. Lake. That's neat. Yeah, it's kind of a fun little side gig. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, um, yeah, and then I guess the last turn, the other tournament I was thinking of was before the last podcast. It was in Vegas. Um, right. And then I think there are actually a couple more, but they were before the last podcast too. So got it. But yeah, it's kind of a popular time for ping pong right now. It's kind yeah. of fun. What about you? What What have you been up to this last month? Uh, yeah, work's been keeping me busy too. Um, I have not been playing much uh, ping pong, unfortunately, um, which is kind of funny because I feel like the less I play, or the less often I play, the better I get for some reason. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Um, sometimes that's the way it goes. Like <laughs> you, if you take a little break, it gets your mind off of things yeah. and then you come back and you're kind of just fresh and your muscles are all fine. And yeah. then you can kind of just refocus. Yeah. Speaking of muscles, my, my legs are like jelly. Thanks to the Falkenberg <laughs> drill you had me do yesterday. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite one to do to, <laughs> <laughs> to punish people, <laughs> to with. punish people with, especially like at the end of the lesson. Okay. It's been a hard lesson. We're going to do it in Falkenberg now. <laughs> Just so you won't come back next time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did get uh, some, so, so I order stuff off Amazon Japan every once in a while. And I was, when I was getting it, I had to get a new pair of table tennis shoes recently. And I was searching on Amazon Japan because I was thinking I could get some of those Mizunos 
like the there's like one type of Mizuno, which is like kind of the Tableton issue. And so I was like, oh, this would be awesome because I can't find them anywhere. And then I, they have them, of course, on Amazon Japan, but they don't make them in my size, which is like, well, that sucks. Yeah, that's one thing about Japanese brands. They always come in smaller sizes for their shirts. Yeah. Even like if you get, so I wear a medium for most things. If I get a Japanese medium, it's going to be like an extra small. Like yeah. There's just no way it's going to fit me. <laughs> and so when I was searching for takyu, which is a Japanese word for um, uh, table tennis, I found that they have these like large full color magazines. Uh, World of Table Tennis is what it's called. And so um, I bought a couple issues recently and it's like, it's so cool because it's these huge, like they're gorgeous magazines. They have, it's all in Japanese, but the, but I can read a little bit of it. And even, even then just the photography and the advertisements are really cool to see. So that sounds awesome. Yeah. So I was, I was, this is just for table tennis stuff or yeah, it's the whole, I mean, it's like 200 pages an episode or uh, uh, issue and it's a monthly issue. So cool pretty cool i think i'm gonna try to to get every um uh, issue every month now so that sounds cool okay so uh the other thing i did this month was um spend a lot of time watching table tennis because there are a ton of tournaments like uh did you see the china open i yeah i saw i actually didn't watch it live um but i did watch the a lot of the matches um, and then I watched the semifinals and, and finals, obviously, because that's what everyone wants to see. Yeah. Um, D- did you see one thing that I, I think was completely new in the China Open? I don't, I don't think they've done this before, was the kind of like the ball tracking. So they're, they're starting to add all these like statistics in. Um, like I think they have um, – they're able to track the speed of some of the hits. They're able to track where people serve to. And then they're able to track like um, like the number of, of shots in a rally and stuff. I think. What did yeah, you think of that stuff? Super cool. I I loved it. I've I've been wanting this for table tennis for so long. Oh, I've yeah. even thought about like coming up with a method to invent <laughs> the, like the the revolutions per second or cool. minute. Um, and I, I'm so glad that someone has actually done it because it one of the one of the biggest problems with table tennis is that it's so hard to understand like when people miss it's just it's so hard to like why did he miss that ball well on one of ma long's loops they said it was it had eight thousand rpm like (laughs) like that's just insane like how can anybody hit that back and not to mention it's traveling at like 100 miles an hour yeah but like that just kind of validates a miss when when you see that yeah when as a viewer, especially someone who doesn't know table tennis, it it helps people to understand that. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's... so they can understand the game a lot more. Because I know, like before, like when I when I first watched, I think Rio 2016 was when I really saw pros. There was so much going on I didn't even understand. And now that I kind of have learned stuff, now I kind of understand it better. But yeah, definitely for beginners, it's hearing these kinds of things it's like how do you make a ball spin with 800 rpms like how do Not you 800 8000 8000 how yeah. do you even do it how do you do it with 800 <laughs> not to mention 8000 yeah and like there were a couple other ones like 5000 or 6000 oh, but then the one i was like wow like that's just amazing must I mean, have been hurricane yeah. <laughs> um th- what about matches did you see any that you thought were cool 
Um, yeah, a couple. So did you did you watch the Mima Ito versus Ding Ning match? Oh, yeah. That. So if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Um, for the viewer, for the listeners out there, Mima Ito just just destroyed her. Like <laughs> Ding Ning is number one in the world. She's, I mean, obviously super good. She's been dominating for a long time. Yeah. And so Mimi Uta comes out. She First game, she's up 7-1. Oh. And she actually blows the first game. And Wait, she lost? She lost the first game. Oh. But then she just, like, steamrolls her for the next four games. She wins 4-1. Uh, spoiler alert, sorry. Oh. <laughs> um, Should have watched it. It's okay. Um, But... Just it, I like I like watching the Japanese do well. I like Mima Ito and watching your beat Ding Ning like that. It was just awesome. You should watch that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else? Uh, I watched Ma Long just destroy everybody. That's <laughs> um, yeah. the uh, the second platinum event of the year. He's won both. Wow. Um, yeah. And yeah, just if, in the finals, he just he he crushes it four zero. Um, not not to mention that he won the world championships. Not to mention he won the worlds. So I mean, he's the guy to beat right now. I think definitely. So I don't know. I don't know. Like who else? Who else could there be? Who who's giving him a challenge right now? I mean, nobody really. Especially nobody like consistently. Yeah. Some, no sometimes sure. you know somebody might hit might do well in a tournament, but definitely not. But look, I thought like the matches and the and the tech stuff was really cool. But holy crap! I was trying to watch the finals live. Like it was like 8 p.m. and I was I was I had everything ready. I had my browser up. You I was popcorn. like clicking. I didn't get popcorn. I should I I should have brought popcorn. <laughs> um and and I was I was going to the page and um the the ITTF page cuz they were streaming it on ittf.com and it was like completely broken. Like I would it, the worst part is when when they stream things live, they do ads before them, mm-hmm. which I understand they got to pay for their server fees and stuff. But the thing that really sucks is they'll they'll do ads before it and then it'll break. So every time you refresh, you have Shoot. to watch another ad, <laughs> and it's so frustrating. Like literally, I tried VPNs, I've tried VPNs in different countries, I tried everything to get this freaking live stream to play, and. It wasn't, and their Twitter account was tw- was live tweeting, and the stream wasn't even up. I was oh, so man. frustrated. So it it took them like forty, like it was around like forty five minutes before it started working, and this was the final. Um, was it the final? I, At least I, I got their their ad revenue coming oh, in. Yeah, so. I mean, I, <laughs> ITTF. Can I get a cut back of that? Um, I'm now I'm gonna. It's it's weird their ads because half the time it's Stiga and half the time it's like Expedia or Airbnb. It's like kind of <laughs> random, um, but yeah, it's just like it's so frustrating when it's like the final and the tech needs to work perfectly, but it it just it just doesn't. So. Yeah, it's I work for Sling TV as my day job, um, and yeah, sometimes the streaming is is it's easy, right? Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot that goes into it. So, and the, and the China Open wasn't wasn't the only tournament this month. There um, were a bunch. Like, yeah, Hong um, Kong Open was a big one, but the Japan Open's going on right now. Like as we record this, I think people are playing, which is cool. 
I think um, they're in the quarterfinals right now. Yeah. They're up to the quarterfinals. So. Yeah. Yeah. And this has maybe, I feel like in some ways this has been the worst tournament for the Japanese national team. Or at least for the men. There are no Japanese men left. It's insane. I think, who won, who won it last year? Was it Harimoto? Harimoto won the men's and Mima Ito won the, the women's and they're both already out. Oh man. So, yeah. The the Harimoto is like the worst one in my opinion. Like he played this guy named Sun Wen who's from China, number 556 in the world. Like nobody like when I looked at his like world ranking, the reason he's so low is cuz he's only played like one event in the last like year. And it's like this guy comes in and beats the number four in the world. It's even worse than the um, Anjay Hyun from the world championships because he was like number 100. At least he was playing things. Um, you know, I always like to see upsets, um, <laughs> but usually China isn't the one who's the underdog going yeah. into matches. So so I, I had never heard of Sun Wen. Yeah. I don't think hardly anyone probably has. <laughs> his coach, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, that, his coach. He's, so he's like the Chinese national team, like their B team or something. Like he's playing, representing China, but um, not not one of the top four guys that no. everyone's heard of. So, yeah. but here he is, number five fifty six, and taking out number four, <laughs> Haramoto. So. And then Mima Ito, um, she got taken out by a, a Chinese player, but number fifty six in the world. So, uh, Gu Yuting and Mima Ito is number seven, which is just. It's crazy, and it it really makes me like wonder how does this world ranking stuff even work? Because if I don't know, in some ways it seems like it's not even like an accurate representation of someone's like skill. Um, so so yeah, yeah how I does think, how does it work? So they changed they changed it. Um, I think last year, um, hmm. and. It used to be based on a rating system. So the Sun Wen guy, I mean, if he's only played one event, he probably wouldn't have had a high rating anyways. Oh, okay. Um, but going into the new system, it's changed quite a bit. Okay. And when they changed it, it made a lot of people mad, um, <laughs> understandably. Yeah. I think, it, in my opinion, it was the right decision to make, though. The, the problem that they had before was... You had China playing like one or two events a year. They'll play like the Chinese oh. Close, the Chinese Open, and the World Championships, and that was pre- and maybe the World Cup, and that was that was pretty much it. And wow. they would they would go home, they would practice. They have they have mimic players representing basically every other legitimate opponent. Yeah, um, and they can train against that. They have the resources, and they're just they're winning everything, dominating everyone. Huh. For I mean pretty much the last couple decades. Wow. And so with the new system, it it forces you to play tournaments. So you'll see the Chinese playing a lot more tournaments. And right away, right off the bat, you got all kinds of people beating the the Chinese national team, which was pretty much unheard of for the last 20 years or so. I mean, yeah. you had like Pitchford beating Ma Long, I believe. Yeah. Right away, you see a lot of these upsets happening, which is a good thing. I mean, you don't want to just have one country just dominating year after year after year. So the way they do it now is they have, they have 12 main events. Um, they have six of them are world tour events and then they have six world tour platinum events. Oh, okay. 
And the way they they the way you get ranked is not who you beat, but how you place in each individual tournament. And then they have huh. a bunch of other like regional championships and um, smaller events. And each event that you play, um, it it basically takes your finish in those events and in racks up points based on your finishing place. So you might beat number one in the world in the first round. You're not going to get a ton of points for that. It just it just means you made it to the second round. Oh, that's weird. So it's it's kind of weird. And then what they do is they they take your eight best results of mm. the year and and base your world ranking on those eight best results. Eight and best and each tournament your result for each tournament lasts one year. So it's kind of different. It's it's a lot different. Um, but in my opinion, it's a good thing because it forces the top players to play more events. Yeah. Um, and and people get to play those top players and learn how to play them and get better because they're playing them, and opposed mm-hmm. to like playing Ma Long once a year and getting dominated by him. Yeah. And I mean, he still is dominating everything. So. Yeah. Well, what happens if you like if you lose if you lose a match? So if you lose, you you don't actually lose any points. You just don't. Mm-hmm get the points for for the the stronger finish. So if you make it to the quarterfinals, you're going to get more points than if you made it to the eighths. Yeah. Or if you made it to the finals, you're going to get more points than if you made it to the semis or the quarters or whatever round. So hmm. if you lose, you don't lose points. You just don't get the points for this, the better placement finish. Yeah, so you could, because of that, you could just play every single tournament. And it doesn't matter, like, if you lose some of them. Yeah, it takes a lot of the pressure off. I yeah. mean, if you're playing number... 556 in the world like Haramoto was and he lost to him he doesn't lose any points for that he just didn't get any points for winning yeah for like getting to the next round what about the um the challenge events there's like the world tour there's the regular world tour world tour platinum but then there's a lot of these challenge events that the big players don't play but you see like Hitomi Sato from Japan she she usually wins those for the women's Right. So with those, um, same concept, they're not worth as many points. So if you win, if you win a challenge event, um, you'll get X amount of points, but if you win a platinum event, then you'll get much more points. So your world ranking will go up higher based on the event that you win. Got it. That's, that's interesting. Cause one thing I noticed is like, I think Hitomi Sato, um, is like, world rank number like 16 or something mm-hmm. which is funny because i almost never see her on like the platinum or even the regular world tour event she is now but like last year she, she was barely ever there so it was like how did she get to number 16 and i guess it's those those uh challenge event points got her she just won every single one and so was was getting up there right and they'll only take the top eight um, your eight best finishes of the year. So okay, cool. if she would have played 15 challenge events yeah. and won all 15, it would only take the top eight. Oh, okay. That's cool. So you've already listed some reasons, but um, like I'm, I'm, st- I'm still a little curious, like why, what did the ITTF say about like why they were changing it? So the reasons that ITTF gave was that it would provide a more accurate measure of rankings, mm. um, and then it adds more value to the big events because it's going to kind of force all the major players to play the the most important events. So yeah. you have the World Tour events, which most of the top players will play, 
then you have the World Tour Platinum events, which basically all of the top players are going to play. So it adds oh, okay. a lot of value to those events. Yeah. Um, and then it just if 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 a player isn't playing, they can't just sit on their ranking and wait for the World Championships and then play the World Championships because that's I mean yeah. a lot of the Chinese were doing that for a long time yeah. and not hardly ever playing anything and yeah. So it it forces them to play more events. That that leads me to to think about so playing more tournaments is always better. And one thing I always notice is that um, maybe not always the platinum events, but even like the challenge events, there's like the U.S. team doesn't always play all of these tournaments. Like um, I, I would even say like the Puerto Rico team with Adriana Diaz, she's at almost every tournament you see. But like um, Lily Zhang, like she's at she's at quite a few. Like she's at the Japan Open. Um, I think she was at the China Open, but like. I would say, like, I would think that if you're really trying to make it, you would just go to every single tournament. So, like, why why aren't more American players going and playing in these tournaments? It's hard because of funding, mostly. I mean, it's oh, expensive okay. to go around and to play in a lot of these events. Yeah. Um, and the USATT, USA Table Tennis, they provide some of the funding for the big tournaments. They'll hmm. So when I was on the U.S. team, they sent us to two tournaments a year. Which was nice. Only two. But yeah. it's just, I mean, that's not enough, right? Yeah. I mean, at a minimum, if they're going to take your eight best finishes, I feel yeah. like you should at least go to eight events, yeah. right? So a lot of that funding, it comes out of the pocket of the players. I mean, USA Table Tennis Oof. is is only going to send you to a couple. So it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to be a professional table tennis player in the U.S. So Man. So one thing that Kanak Jaw does is he actually has a GoFundMe page, oh. um, and we'll link it into the, our, our our notes. Um, and it basically is to help him go to these tournaments and fund um, some of these this play because it it gets expensive to travel, to enter, and yeah. I mean to get a hotel, and I mean all that adds up. So it's I mean it's tough. It's tough to to go to the events yeah. but that's one thing that Kanak does is he has he has donations and a lot of the players wow. i think actually rely on donations to compete man that i just it just seems so unfortunate it's like i think you know the u.s it's at one point was kind of one of the big uh table tennis uh competitive nations and now it's like i mean how how are we going to get our players better if we aren't like fully supporting them and sending them there. Yeah. It's, it's a good point. <laughs> Diamond wipes really needs to like increase their, their uh, sponsorship of the team. Yeah. What, what is Canucks rating ranking right now? Yeah. He's uh, looks like he's number 37 right now. Okay. Up from 40, which is so awesome. Number 37 best player in the world. And, has a GoFundMe page to yeah. help him play in tournaments. Like imagine like the 37th best soccer player or baseball player or football player. You'd be making hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. I um, mean, you'd be the star of any team that you're on and he's the star of the U S team. Yeah. And I mean, just having to, to fight your way for, to go to tournaments is just, that's rough. It's shameful. Yeah. Well, hopefully, um, I don't know. Hopefully it gets better. I don't know how it gets better. 
maybe this podcast will help. Uh, yeah, well, hopefully it gets more people getting into table tennis in America and watching it. Um, I think it's really cool what he's doing, what Lily's doing, and actually going for it because yeah. most everybody, at least in the U.S., because there's no way to support yourself, they just, once they get to college, they go to college, they get a career. I mean, that's what I did. That's what most people do, and that's just the way to survive. Um, so I think it's awesome that Kanak and Lily and a couple, like the people who do it, it I have a lot of respect for them for doing that because it's, it's a tough it's a tough road, but but they're doing it, so it's cool. Uh, okay, well let's uh, let's turn it around, get back uh, in, in a positive mood um, after that slightly depressing segment. Sorry, to, sorry to bring that up. Um, let's let's go to Joey's coaching corner. Uh, what do you got for us today? Joey? Yeah. So on the bright side, just finishing <laughs> up with that, I feel like okay. at least with so I I do a lot of coaching, so I feel like. Just based on the number of requests and stuff, I feel like table tennis is picking up. Just got to get more money into it for the players. Yeah. That's 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 the main thing in my opinion. So cool. So coaching corner. Um, what I wanted to talk about this month is how to prepare for serves, serve return. Hmm. Um, third third month, third podcast, third coaching tip on serves. I I always feel like. Um, serving and serve return are the two biggest part. Like that's the most important part of the point is how you, how you serve and then how you handle the return of serve. So Hmm. as you're preparing to return a serve, what do you, what do you look, what do you look for, Ryan? Is there anything specific that you're, you're trying to do? Um, I think, well, like, like what am I going to be watching for? with the serve yeah so basically i guess what i what i'm looking for is um when when you're when you're returning serves if your opponent were to serve fast yeah you're gonna have basically no time to react yeah so what you want to do is you want to look for that fast one first um, because you have the least amount of time to react to it huh um and then if it's usually pretty seldom that someone does like a fast, fast, long serve. So sure. first kind of look for that. Um, and then second, the second thing, if, if they don't serve fast, then your second thought should be, can you loop it? Can you loop this serve? Cause the person who gets the first attack almost always wins the point. I was actually watching Ma Long, um, in the finals and yeah. I don't usually count flips, um, or flicks if you're from, Australia. <laughs> um, I don't usually count those, but I was counting who, if someone attacked first, if they would, I would just kind of keep score. Like the first attack, uh, Malong attacked. It, did he win the point? Yes. Okay. He's, he's up one zero. And then the next point who attacked first. So hmm. if, if he, if whoever, I wasn't really keeping track for per player, but just like keeping track of the the first attack so if if one player attacked first like did they win the point yes or no and then it was very seldom almost never does the um does the the person who attacks first lose the point so always always want to get that for extra tip this month always get that first attack in if you can so you said so you said you want to be watching for like a fast long so like what what do you need to watch for so fast long um if if you have like okay, so if your opponent, if you see him 
with a big backswing. That's oh, one okay. clue for okay. for a long serve. A lot of times with a high toss, it's um, it's hard to keep those short. So oh. it's it's not a guarantee that they're going to serve long, but it's it's a clue. Um, okay. But you just kind of want to be ready for that fast one because you don't have much time to react. Okay. Okay. So and then okay. So going back to the the return to serve. Um, if it's not fast and, um, it's just, it kind of leaks long. I call those medium long, um, where they're not short, but they're not fast. They're just, they're, they're coming off the end of the table. So they bounce once on your side of the table. Okay. Um, you want to, you want to look to loop that one, um, for the reasons we just went over. Yeah. Um, and if you're not looking to loop the serve, so often players will just come in and push it. Or counter drive it if I guess if it's topspin. Oh, okay. So, the the loop it takes more time to do than just like a push or a push. Yeah. Um So you want to be ready for the loop second after the fast one. Okay. So faster first, medium long second, and then last is a short serve. Mm. So, um, short serves they take the least amount of effort as far as preparation they're moved slower than than the longer serves sure um and so you have the most time to react to that one so the least amount of time is a fast serve the second least is the medium long and then the most time to react is the short serve so Hmm. i kind of when i'm preparing to return serve that's kind of the order of preparation that i'm doing Hmm. um and then as soon as as soon as i see my opponent with a high toss or maybe like a short stroke or I pick up clues immediately after, after they toss the ball. Okay. So I can, I can kind of maybe eliminate one thing or another thing depending uh-huh. on what I'm seeing from my opponent. But, okay. Um, before that, that's kind of my, my one, two, three steps. Cool. If you, if anyone ever has questions about or comments about tips of the month or anything that we talk about, you can, you can post them in our Twitter, um, and we'd love to hear from you um, and answer more questions and, and yeah, get more involved. Yeah, for sure. So moving on, just uh, there were a lot of really good points this month yeah. um, to, to do for our point of the month. But did you have any what, – what, what was your favorite point that you want to go over this month, Ryan? There were so many, and it was really hard to pick. Um, but one that, that I actually saw early on, uh, was, uh, w- from Amy Wang, a U.S. player. She was playing in the, um, French junior and cadet open, um, in the finals against, uh, Prithika Pavade, which I think she's from France. Um, and you know, a lot of times like with the American players, um, you know, their games are pretty good, but they don't, you, they don't just like super like. I don't know. I, I don't always. Kanak Jaw versus Malong really was exciting. But I'll say this match um, with Amy Wang and, and Prithika were, was super exciting because it was like the final and Amy Wang was just killing it. Um, and there was this point uh, at, um, let's see. So they were they were 4-4. Uh, Amy was up two games to one. Basically, uh, the point started with um, a couple of backhands Amy was playing a little bit defensively. Um, she got a net ball, which uh, totally threw Prithika uh, off of her game. Then it went into this lob smash uh, kind of rally where Amy was smashing it and Prithika was just running all over the place, um, lobbing it back to her. 
Amy was um, really mixing up where she was uh, kind of targeting her smashes to make Prithika have to run for it. And then Prithika from way back um, looped one of Amy's smashes and ran up to the table. And then they just started uh, looping it back and forth. Amy got another netball and Prithika did this really weird kind of like half snake, half defensive shot back to Amy. Um, And it, it was really impressive because every single shot I would say Prithika was giving her some really weird balls, really weird placement, weird spin, and Amy was just knocking it back every single time. And then basically, finally, there was just um, a really tough angle. Prithika had Amy on her right, and then she crossed, and Amy just wasn't able to get to it with her backhand, and Prithika won the point. But both of them, it was it was really impressive. Um and, you know, for like a for for a single point to have so much stuff to have like weird balls, net balls, snakes, um, looping, lob from, smash, yeah, lob looping. smash, looping from way back. You usually don't see that in like junior matches. And also you usually don't see that with women's. Usually that's kind of like how maybe the men's style a little bit more. But yeah, a lot more back from the table, counter looping. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really cool. It, and I mean, after the point, everybody um, was was cheering. And I think there were even some French announcers on this and they were they were saying something excited. I don't know what they were <laughs> saying, but um, it was a good point. What did you think? Uh, yeah, it was awesome. I There's this one shot in particular during the point where I don't know you call it the snake. It It's kind uh, yeah. like just, just this weird, almost like a chop, but yeah. it's. It just like, just kind of curves in, and yeah. I don't know. It, it totally sets her up for the next shot, and I don't yeah. know how she hit it. It's like a backhand chop from I think her forehand side, <laughs> and yeah, just you'll have to check it out. It's it's a good point. I wonder if she's been studying under um, Simone Gozi because I could see him doing a shot like that. Yeah, uh, which is pretty interesting. So yeah, un- unfortunately, Amy um, Prithika went on. Not unfortunately for Prithika, she ended up taking the final. Um, Amy got silver for that, but that was um, it was a great point. It was a really great match. The whole match was great. So um, I'll link to it in the show notes so people can check it out. One thing about Amy is that it almost looks like she doesn't try. She just has like <laughs> this. She never gets excited. Her footwork probably isn't the best. And it just, it hardly looks like she's doing anything, but she is, I've played her a couple times. She is super tough. She is a tough opponent. Really good player. I mean, yeah, with... And this is the finals of the French (laughs) Open, Junior Open. So, I mean... Yeah. She, I mean, she's, she's great. It's like, she doesn't even need to look like she's excited about it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she can win the the whole championship and like, she'll barely break a smile probably. Yeah. I wonder what a... um, Amy Wang, um, inside my mind would be, <laughs> really, I wonder what she's thinking. Yeah. Those commercials for the world championships. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, let's get into the weird world of table tennis. The best part. I feel like I want to either record or maybe go on Fiverr and find somebody to record some jingles for us before like our little segments. Okay. I think that would be cool. That would be cool. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that. Um. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, you you found some uh, some interesting stuff this month. So uh, tell me about it. 
So what I found this month was I was I was just kind of looking up table tennis video games. There's been a couple of or one in particular a really popular one um, made by Rockstar Table Tennis. It's called Rockstar Table Tennis. Oh wow. Rockstar, I mean, for those of you who don't Grand know, Grand Theft Table Tennis. Yeah, so they're <laughs> they're famous for Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. So they made a table tennis game a couple years ago. <laughs> How random. <laughs> yeah, kind of random. Um, it's fun. It's pretty um, accurate, I would say. Mm. Um, but for the weird world of table tennis, I was just kind of looking up table tennis games, and I found this one. So it's a VR game, a virtual reality. It came out in okay. 2017, so it's actually been oh. out for a couple of years. Yeah. I had never heard of it. I think you can play it on Oculus Rift. Do you have Do you have an Oculus? I don't know. I have a PlayStation VR that I don't have Oculus. Okay, so I I had an Oculus Rift. I won it in an cool. it, at work, and cool. I ended up just selling it before I ever used it. But <laughs> I probably should have I should, probably should have kept it because <laughs> I I'm kind of wanting to play this game. Um, What's the game called? It's called Racket Fury Table Tennis VR. Oh, okay. So you can buy it on Steam. I think it's like 20 bucks or something. Oh, that's not a lot. Yeah, but, I mean, you have to have the setup, right? So you have yeah. to have the either Oculus or I think there's another couple. HTC Vive. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's on PlayStation. I kind of doubt it. Oh. Um, but it's kind of cool. Um, I've seen YouTube videos of people playing it. and Cool. Um, you have a paddle and you swing your arm and <laughs> it hits the ball back. So I don't know. I mean, that's all there is to Tableton. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much, I mean, is as a game developer, that's probably what I would see in table tennis also. It's just yeah. Like bonking yeah. it back and forth and bonking it, tapping it back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. Cause, um, when you brought this up, it made me think of a, a game that I did buy for, uh, PlayStation VR and it's, I think it's just called ping pong VR and I got it thinking, Oh, this is cool. I play ping pong and you know, I can play it in VR. The game is so bad. It's, it's so like, I, I think I played it once and I was just like, I can't do this. I, it's because I think the thing is like, like you just said, game developers, I mean, not all of them. It's hard to say all, but like, first it's so of all, hard to incorporate all yeah. the aspects. Like, I mean, we talked about it with some of the technology at the China Open with the revolutions per minute yeah. and the the speed and the movements and to incorporate all that into a, a video game, especially VR, I think is probably especially hard to develop huh. for, I would assume. But yeah, I mean, so they just don't, they just don't put it in at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think when you said they bonking it, like that's, yeah. that's what they expect you to do with, with the, like the ping pong VR game. And it's like... You, you don't know, like, I don't, that's not how I play. I don't bonk the ball. So it's like, I just got really frustrated trying to play like I normally play. And then I just, you know, you can't add spin to it. You can't, it it looked like in this game, you can, the Racket Fury game that you mentioned can, but in the ping pong VR game that I got, oh man, it was, no. If anyone has played this, I want to know yeah. what it's like cuz i mean i'm not going to go out and buy a, a vr <laughs> set to play racket fury but if if you've played it i want to know what it's like yeah me too yeah i don't know if you've paid much attention to ces the consumer electronics show they have they i think the last couple years they've displayed um like a table tennis robot where there's like oh, a mechanical yeah. arm that hits the ball back uh-huh. and it can handle spin and 
I think that the paddle you use it has sensors on it. I've never actually tried it. Huh. But it, as far as table tennis goes and software development, that's probably the coolest <laughs> there is. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like most table tennis players have seen it at some point, at yeah. least in like YouTube or, I mean, when it came out, a, a bunch of people sent it to me because it was it was pretty popular when it came out. Yeah, but. I saw a video because because yeah, they're using AI for it, and um, I saw a video where uh, Dmitry Ovtrov went to to like train the AI model. So like oh, he was playing against cool. it, and then the AI model was like basically learning from him. That's a um, good player to learn from. Yeah. I think. I saw a video of T-Mobile playing against it, but I don't oh, know if it was okay. tracking AI. Like, I don't know if it was learning from him or not, yeah. but that's pretty cool. I didn't... It, it was... I think the company... Well, the company that was that was doing it for with Dimitri was um, a German company was developing it. Okay. And so I that wonder... That would make sense then. Yeah, I would wonder... It would make sense that T-Mobile would come in there too. So That's pretty awesome. Didn't you play... You played against a ping pong robot though, right? Um, at, um, the, um, reinvent AWS reinvent. Yeah. So I went to the reinvent it's the Amazon's AWS, uh, conference. Um, so I went, um, I went last year and it wasn't a, it wasn't a robot, but they had Intel oh. had these tables with all kinds of sensors on them uh-huh. and it could track the, the ball movement and the oh, way okay. it was bouncing. And they had, they had like games set up on the table for like oh, targets and stuff. Okay, okay. And then they had uh, they had a competition, but I was too busy doing other things at the conference, and I really wanted to play it because the prize was this this golden paddle. It wasn't gold; I think it was like bronze or something. But it was like <laughs> this sweet trophy. Like I want that. That'd be like the coolest trophy in my collection, and awesome. I just got to win a, a like a tech conference tournament to <laughs> like. It would have been a walk in the park if I could have actually played it and. Just yeah. like I wish I had that trophy. It was it was uh, cool, but the the sensors like the whole guy. I talked to the de- to the developer for it. Yeah, got his business card, and it was really cool. Like I I was really impressed. It was awesome. it was neat. That's cool. He talked about some of the 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 trials that he went through to make it work, and oh, yeah, yeah, it was it was a cool setup. Huh. We should get him on the podcast. You you got his business card? Yeah. Oh, we should totally get him on the podcast. That would be awesome. He's a he's a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd fit in with us. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for the June episode of Table Tennis Talk. Joe, you got any cool plans coming up next month? I want to say that I do, but I can't think of any. <laughs> I have a family reunion. Um, I've got, I'm sure there are tournaments coming up. Yeah. I, my last tournament that I played, the, the guy who travels around, he's, I, he's doing a teams tournament. So I'll, I'll be playing that. I'm not sure when it is. I think it's in like October. So I have some oh, time. Okay. Um, U S nationals is coming up this next month. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that in our next podcast. Cool. It should be a good conversation. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to Santa Fe next week, and there's, like, a table tennis club out there that I've been – I, I kind of want to just, like, pop in. You should. Night. So I used to actually – I used to live in Indiana, yeah. and they would – once a year I'd fly out to Santa Fe and, and run clinics there for, like, a week or two at a time. Oh, cool. And I think – it's been years since I've been, but yeah. the club I've heard is doing really good now, and it was huh. kind of a smaller club at the time. But yeah. 
or they moved to a new building and it's like kind of taken off. So, Oh, then I totally should. Well, if I do that, um, then I will, I'll bring back a little report about what's going on in, in the Santa Fe table tennis world. That, that sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear. I kind of wish like, cause I went to Portland last month and, um, there, there are two clubs in Portland and I didn't go to any, I didn't go to any table tennis stuff. And I kind of regret it cause I, would have been cool to see kind of like what's going on out there. So you and I both travel quite a bit. Yeah. Maybe we can do like a, a little ping pong club review for the different <laughs> places because a lot of places have clubs and yeah, yeah, I'd like to hear it. That'd be cool. Okay. All right. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll talk to you next month. See ya. Table Tennis Talk is a monthly podcast by Joey Cochran and Ryan Lewis, edited by Ryan Lewis. Music on the podcast comes from Chill Hop Records. Find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us questions at tabletennistalk.com or on Twitter at TTTalkPodcast. Podcast.